With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Nation, Trace Trolko here. Welcome to the Sons of UCF Live. Good old Rocky Top leads to a bit of a rocky road for UCF as Josh Heupel has followed Danny White to the Smoky Mountains. Now, what does that mean for UCF? We remember former UCF football head coach Gene McDowell, who died earlier this week, and men's basketball breaks a five-game losing streak. Let's welcome in the Sons of UCF, Adam and Mike, who I'm glad to see have not followed Danny and Josh. Knoxville. I can't confirm that. I don't know where Mike's at right now. He looks like he's in the same bunker as always. I am currently not in in Knoxville. But Trace, uh, is that a shacket I detect on your uh, on your upper torso there? It is a shacket. It is a shacket. They're not is retired, the, are they? Well, are they not? I mean, it, it depends if uh, if the name that's being being thrown about is uh, is indeed in line to be coach. I believe he was also pro shacket, but. Was that hypo peer pressure? That's on the next episode of the Suns. Next episode, we'll talk about that. Mike won Twitter so today. Mike won Twitter today, huh? Not all that uh, lobby for lebby stuff. Mike, what did you say on Twitter today? That just one. I mean, if we're allowing the players to pick the next coach, then we should just allow the fans to schedule the games, and we can maybe get podcast hosts to deal with some other things inside campus. I mean, what are we doing here? Let's let the process play out. We could save a lot of money and not hire an IED if this is the way we're going to do it. Then you know the budget is pretty tight right now, so it's an option. I mean, we've already hired a coach today on Twitter, so we'll see how it goes. But I was I was ready to say so long to this jacket. I'm kind of surprised to see you wear one. I thought Adam would be wearing one. Either that or his "Did we ever leave?" T-shirt. And the answer to that now is yeah, they left. He's out of there now. Yeah, Chris Robinson, if you're listening or watching, can I get an updated uh, "Did we ever leave?" shirt with "Yes" on the back, please? Well, it was just a couple of days ago you guys recorded an all-new Sons of UCF podcast. How firmly in the camp of Josh Heupel would follow Danny White were you just a few days ago? Uh, not at all. I'm not sure the opposite of not firm, uh, soft, I guess. Um, yeah, so, so complete surprise. When that, when that started you know, trending on Tuesday night, um, I didn't believe it. I thought it was a Danny White smokescreen. We've seen this before from him. A name leaks out and everyone grasps, grasps that name and it's never that same person. So when I heard Heupel's name, I just thought this was going to be just an easy, lazy, journalistic type of investigative reporting situation. Uh, so I, I was surprised uh, for a few reasons and we can get into those. But here's the thing that's most surprising, Trace, is we bantered about as a, you know, as a fan base about was Josh Heupel on the hot seat? 
not only was he not on the hot seat, obviously Danny liked him so much that he brought him to Tennessee. So we all were, were questioning, hey, is this going to be the year? Has he got one more to go? Either we were dead wrong or Danny was really desperate. I guess we can figure that out. But that was the most surprising thing is uh, for someone who went from maybe being on the UCF hot seat to a, a $24 million contract overnight, um, quite surprising. Well, I asked a poll question at SignPez, my Twitter handle, temperature check on Josh Heupel. See ya or going to miss ya? See ya, 87%, the runaway winner there. Mike, are you going to miss Coach Heupel? I'm not going to miss his press conferences and the, the Heupel translator and all that stuff that went along with him. And you know what? Let's be honest. He was trending downwards the last three years. We did say when he took over this job, it was one of the hardest jobs in America, taking over an undefeated team. There's nowhere to go for him but down. And slowly but surely, he did, we went down. The next year, we went undefeated again, but we lost the final game. Then losing three games the following year that we probably should have won. And then this year, almost a 500 team been blown out in the Boca Bowl. Who knows what would have happened next year if he stuck around. He definitely would have been on the hot seat for me. But I guess Danny White didn't see it that way. Either that or he just ran out of options and nobody else wanted to go to Tennessee with him. What strikes me as odd is that there seems to be, among some UCF fans at least, a certain glee that this problem has been taken care of in reference to that downward trend. Though he's 28-8 over three seasons. We know the 6-4 and four this past season. At the same time, we're sort of excited to see him go. A lot of Vol Nation not so excited to see him there. So it's sort of a tale of two fan bases in reaction. It seems funny to me. We're glad he's gone. They're not so glad he's arrived. Yeah, it's the age-old thing about expectations, right? I mean, obviously, Tennessee has an expectation or had an expectation, probably probably foolishly, that they were going to hire some sort of a big-name coach to, to come in there. Um, and let's face it, I mean, Heupel's got offense, but he's kind of a meh kind of showman, right? I mean, he's not someone who's going to win the press conference. Um, and so I think if you wanted a splash hire, you wanted a name of somebody who was exciting. Uh, you know, I was talking to a few uh, different folks from Tennessee and, and DMs this week, and they were all like, wow, this was not who we thought. They were expecting Jamie Chadwell from Coastal. They thought maybe Lance Leopold from Buffalo. This was not who they were expecting. So I think that's the other piece is, you know, he, he came out of left field um, quite literally. And, uh, and I, I think certainly people were kind of like, this is the best we can do. But with sanctions looming, and you see it in his contract, by the way, he signed a six-year deal, but it's a seven-year deal if they go on any sort of probation or have a bull ban. So that shows you how, uh, how you know, I don't want to say desperate, but how much Tennessee knew that they had to account for the fact that they were probably getting a hammer um, thrown on them pretty soon. Well, already various reports today that Coach Heupel has hired several now former UCF coaches away. Joey Halsey, the quarterback coach, uh, Glenn Ellerby, Alex Golesh, several others. That's to be expected in this. And you mentioned a few names there. Mike, uh, whose names pop out to you in that list that you like? Though, of course, as we said, trending all day on social media, the players seem to be lobbying for Jeff Levy, the former uh, quarterback's coach for UCF. Everybody on Twitter is lobbying for Levy. Every former player, every current player. There's a hashtag now we want Levy out there. Uh, I mean, it makes sense. I can see for continuity purposes for him having a, a experience working with Dylan Gabriel and a lot of these guys knowing him familiarly. It does make sense to bring Levy in. But I think it's a little too quick right now. First of all, we haven't hired an AD. You're going to hire a coach before you hire an AD. I don't know if that ever works because then he, he may be on a hot seat right away. The guy doesn't bring in his own guy. Second of all, we don't know as Le Le about Levy as a head coach. We know about him as a offensive coordinator, and that's what we've got in the last two years. They worked with Frost. Heupel, did it work to bring in an offensive mind like that that wasn't connected to the defense? I don't know. Do we go that same route again with Levy? A lot of questions still to be answered. And the other guys, I mean, throw a dart at any one of them. They're, they're basically the same in, in different uniforms. Almost, you think, and there's been reports, Chris Vanini, who was on this program last week, reporting that UCF just may be that stepping stone job, but that's not necessarily a bad thing for UCF. It means if you have a good two- or three-year run and you're jumping to a Nebraska or Tennessee, uh, that you've had success, and that's good for UCF. Your Sons of UCF poll question, what do you want to see in UCF's next coach? Uh, you uh, listed UCF ties and familiarity. We've already heard names like Kevin Smith mentioned, maybe perhaps in an assistant coaching capacity. 
uh, scheme, offensive or defensive, recruiting and coaching experience. Runaway there, uh, nearly 47% scheme, offensive or defense is what you're most looking for. I voted for recruiting, which came in a little more than 25%. You know, I thought it was funny. Coach Heupel talked about in his press conference in Knoxville that he wants to lock down the state of Tennessee. I hope it's not like he locked down the state of Florida in his most recent recruiting class, just five in-state recruits during the early signing period. I'm, we're big in Germany. I'm not, I'm <laughs> two, not sure. Two from yeah. Germany. I'm right? not sure what, what borders he was referring to. I mean, No, look, Mike mentioned the list, and, and we have it up on the screen here. This is according to Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports. Obviously, the, the names that we've heard all day. And uh, it, it will be interesting to see what direction we go, but it'll, it'll be even more interesting to see who's making the hire. Uh, and obviously that's, uh, you know, we're talking obviously about the news of, of Hypel not being here anymore, but the reality is uh, we also are missing another key part in the, in the AD chair. So uh, a lot of moving parts that uh, I think, you know, UCF's not a stranger to this. Obviously this happened, you know, back in the 2015, 2016 off season, but um, it certainly is uh, interesting waters to navigate for sure. Well, let's get a little perspective on this from someone who covers the UCF Knights. Joining us now, Jamie Say, Sports Director, WKMG-TV, Channel 6 in Orlando. Jamie, busy at work preparing, no doubt, for your 11 o'clock sportscast. Uh, This news comes down. It's been a whirlwind week from Danny White to Josh Heupel. Speed bump for UCF, just a bump in the road, or you think that this signifies some bigger challenges ahead for UCF? You know, I think the, the most important hire is the AD. Um, yeah, so I, I think they need to get the AD right, and then they can proceed with, you know, the football coach. But UCF is such a desirable job for both of those positions. Um, so hopefully Alexander Cartwright and his search committee or the search firm that he's hired go out and, and pick the right guy for the athletic director and then um, and then go on and, and pick – the right coach I think there's going to be a number of candidates I think it'll just be a little bump in the road um, because UCF stock I mean think about it the last time they had to do it was in 2015 coming off a winless season and in two years (laughs) they were undefeated so I just think UCF's in such a good position to draw a lot of interest in a lot of good guys Jamie, when Danny White left last week, it you know while it hurt, it wasn't a surprise. We we always knew that his name was going to be out there. It, it had been rumored a few different times throughout the years, uh, but but Josh Heupel was was definitely a surprise. I know I was surprised. How surprised were you when you started hearing rumblings on Tuesday that he may be in play for this job? Yeah, I was surprised too. I was surprised Danny White took the Tennessee job. I wasn't surprised Danny moved on, but I thought Danny was going to be a little. Not that Tennessee's a bad job, but I thought he was going to be very selective and he had a list of certain schools like a Notre Dame or, you know, go replace his dad at Duke. Um, So I was surprised that he took the Tennessee job. But, yeah, I was surprised about Heupel going to Tennessee. Um, I wasn't dismissive of the report on Tuesday, um, but there wasn't much traction behind it besides two guys in Knoxville saying, hey, we had heard this, and it sounds like maybe they had heard it at the Tennessee basketball game because the Vols had been playing that night. Um, I thought it was shocking. I, I thought it was shocking just to happen at this point of the year. Um, Josh was coming off a 6-4 and four season, um, and I thought I, – I just thought that it was kind of a rushed hire on Danny's part, even though you want to get a head coach in place – as soon as possible, but um, I wasn't sure how Josh Heupel's hire would resonate with Vols fans um, who are very vocal about who who they were going to bring in. So, yeah, I was surprised. I was really surprised, but more so because of his record from this season. You've seen all the players today and yesterday campaigning now for Jeff Levy to be the next coach. You think this puts a lot of pressure on UCF to actually make that hire? And maybe they are scared some of these players may revolt if he's not hired? I don't know. You know, I think one of the things that uh, I have a lot of respect for the UCF players. Um, They really stuck together when uh, Scott Frost left. And I really feel like they were the reason why that cohesiveness within the locker room and the belief in each other in that locker room and the accountability to each other in that locker room were the reason why 
the transition from frost to hypo went so smoothly really in year one and then into year two too um i think there's a special type of kid that comes to ucf and i don't think that personality is totally gone with the wind either i don't i hope players don't revolt um you know it's still different than it was uh you know a few years ago when scott frost left um but yeah i think there is pressure i think you know but they've got to get the athletic director in first and then he'll you know hopefully speak with the student athletes the football players and and get their opinions and we'll see but i think jeff levy is a is a good candidate uh you know uh, um i don't know if he's the best one but he's personable he knows how to recruit um and obviously he really formed good relationships and good bonds with the guys who are still there all right two what if questions that uh, surround josh heupel what if mackenzie milton does not get hurt in tampa does it change the success perhaps of josh heupel and the second what if if this had happened a month or so ago would kz still be at ucf so those are my two kz what ifs i don't i don't know i think kz legitimately moved on well well okay so so kz doesn't get hurt okay let's start with that one if kz doesn't get hurt i think they win that bowl game against lsu and go undefeated for a second straight year and josh heupel though and you know, is still in town. And then in year two of Josh Heupel, no, they don't lose three games that year. I don't know if they go undefeated, but, you know, I don't think they lose three games. And then perhaps Heupel has talked about uh, in other jobs after year two. Um, And then in year three, then I think Tennessee fans completely embrace him, completely embrace the hire because he would be the hot coach, but maybe he doesn't go to Tennessee. Maybe he goes someplace else. I'm not saying Texas or anything like that, but you know, who knows? Um, so, so now your other, what if is if Heupel had gotten hired a month ago, would KZ have left? Now this is assuming Kate, this is KZ was still the injury, right? The other, if, what yeah, if, yeah, right? yeah, okay. yeah. We, we, we still suppose, yes, we still suppose that the injuries happen for the premise of this. What if, yeah, no, I think, I think Casey still moves on because I think, um, he really believed, uh, that UCF had become Dylan Gabriel's team and, uh, you know, wanted a legitimate shot to compete, um, for the starting quarterback job somewhere else. And Dylan's been so good in his two years that, Maybe McKenzie doesn't unseat him because it had been a while since he had started a quarterback and played played in a game and, uh, you know, was content to let UCF be uh, Dylan's team. So I, I, I think regardless, McKenzie transfers. Jimmy, we give uh, we give Randy Shannon a lot of heat around here, and obviously his defense uh, was not the strongest this past season. But how uh, how big a factor do you think it is that we have a guy like Randy who's got experience as a head coach on staff now to serve as the interim while we kind of go through this this rocky period before a new coach is hired? Yeah, I think it's important. He's done it before. He did it at Florida um, when they uh, fired Jim McElwain. Um, he went and coached the Gators. Um, you know, through, well, I'm not sure how many games he coached the Gators, but he saw them through that transition. Um, so I think it's really important. You know, he's a guy who's been there, done that, knows the players, you know, knows what they need to do, what they need to be doing at this point of the school year to be in the gym, um, to tell the guys, hey, you know, you don't always just play for one man. You play for a university and you play for each other. Hopefully those are the messages that he's delivering. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it is important that, that he's still there um, in that capacity, whether he's still with the Knights next fall, I, I don't know. Um, we'll see. Do you think it's possible for UCF to find somebody that wants to be here 15, 20 years, be our version of Bobby Bowden, Steve Spurrier? Or should we just resign ourselves to the fact that we're going to have to find a new coach every couple of years? I know. You know, it would be nice, right? It would be... You know, I think we had that hope with Scott Frost because he seemed to like it here so much. And then, you know, the alma mater calls him and, and he's got to go to Nebraska. Um, 
it would be nice if somebody wanted to come and build this program for a long time because it's got so much untapped potential still. You know, we saw what what it could do um, in 2017. It could go undefeated and, and beat uh, Auburn um, and really open up the conversations about the playoffs and, and how group of five teams should be considered. You know, I, I think the sky is still the limit for this program and it, and you can, and you get the right guy in there and the, and the success comes um, repeatedly, you know, maybe an invite to a power five isn't that far off. And, and that's when, you know, guys want to stick around in those jobs, but um I don't know. You know, take a special kind of guy who wants to be a builder and not a climber. Um, you know, but in, this is a great place. But UCF is a great place. In fairness to Josh Heupel, he comes in following the 2017 season with expectations on the part of the fan base through the roof. Yeah. A week ago, we talked about Danny White's departure, meaning the end of an era. And certainly now Josh Heupel's means the end of that era of overlap with Danny White. It gives the fan base an opportunity to reset, though, doesn't it now? Perhaps the expectations of that 2017 season, now we're going to be four years removed from that. This is an opportunity for fans to begin and chart a new era. Yeah, you know, I think you're right, Trace. Um, you know, you make a really good point. It's like, it's really hard to go undefeated. Um, and, yeah, I mean... I think it's great, though, that the fans had those kind of expectations because it really energized them. This was a weird year all around. Everybody knows how weird this season was all around. Um, and uh, the challenges of COVID, I think, you know, impacted the performances on the field and everything like that. But, yeah, you reset the expectation, but you remember how fun it is to be at the bounce house when it's completely full and we can get back that way. And I hope that's what the fans really latch onto. That um, you know, this is a program that's built for success. Maybe not built for undefeated seasons year after year, or maybe not another one uh, in the near future. But it's a it's a program that can bring a lot of talent in from the home state of Florida, and make Saturdays really fun at the stadium. Obviously, football getting a lot of the uh, conversation today, Jamie, but you mentioned this off the top. Uh, the athletic director position still open as well. Um, how desirable a position do you think that is for, for candidates across the country to come to UCF, uh, a school with, uh, with you know, a burgeoning athletic program, something that Danny White built? How, how desirable a position do you think that is nationwide? Yeah, I think, I think it's very desirable. I mean, and all you have to do is just look at the enrollment. You know, it's one of the largest universities uh, in the country, just like – you know, just all the things, all the virtues that Danny White extolled when he was hired. You know, he saw all the good things about UCF, um, you know, where it is in the state, um, you know, in the middle of the state, um, in Orlando, Florida. Um, you know, a huge alumni base that he really tapped into. And, you know, I think a candidate will see that there are donors who are willing to open their money with their wallets. Uh, in support of this football program and other athletic programs too. And, you know, Danny White showed them the way. Um, you know, infrastructure has already been built. Um, you know, what they've got the Student Athletic Leadership Building. Uh, they've got a new football uh, building. Um, more of that can happen when finances are kind of figured out after the pandemic. Um, you know, all, all colleges are in a crunch right now, but yeah, I think UCF is a really desirable job. And Danny White kind of showed the next guy or woman how to do it. When Danny White left last week, President Cartwright said, it's going to take a month or maybe two to find a new AD. Now that hype is gone, how much does this speed up the process of hiring the next guy? Oh, it's got to speed it up a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so I was surprised yesterday when we got the statement from UCF that it said, yeah, we've just you know, figured out our search firm who's going to look for the new AD. And I'm thinking, you didn't have this done by uh, Monday? You know, it's like, what are you doing? Um, let's, get this, let's get this ball rolling. But, yeah, I mean, I feel like just given, given the timing with, um, you know, the early enrollees on campus and they have no head coach. So it's like, yeah, I think you have to get your athletic director identified, like, by the end of next week. So then you can start to look for that head coach. 
and get that person in very quickly. I mean, Tennessee operated that fast. And, um, you know, Danny White was hired fairly quickly back in 2015. And then what? I, I don't know how many days later, Scott Frost was on board. So I think, you know, the searches can be thorough, but they can be quick. Uh, UCF had a group on, by the way. They were looking for two searches for the price of one. See, that's that's what, so that's why they were waiting. Let's wrap up with this. What's Josh Heupel's legacy at UCF? Josh Heupel's legacy is I feel like he gets an incomplete grade. I think you have to look at him. Okay, I, I think really fast offense. Blazing fast offense, you know, uh, more tempo than we had ever seen, um, you know, and that worked for him in year one with Scott Frost players. You know, he took Scott Frost players and continued that success in his first year. Um, but I feel like his legacy is incomplete because, you know, we didn't see all of his guys uh, perform at their best yet the recruits that he brought in um, and we'll see them in a couple of years, you know, down the road, you know? So I think his legacy is incomplete, but it's more, you know, he's more of a stopgap or a bridge. I, I don't know. You know, he, I thought he was set up really well here. Um, if he wanted to create a great legacy and he decided uh, now was the time to go. So I mean, I understand why Scott Frost left after two years because his alma mater was called and he's a legend in Nebraska. It's hard to turn down. If it wasn't Nebraska, Scott Frost would have stuck around, I think, at least two more years. I think he would have seen his first recruiting class through. I really believe that. You know, Josh Heupel didn't. He bolted. So that's part of his legacy, too. I felt he, he kind of left as fast as his offense runs. So, that's what I think. <laughs> Jamie, say you went one and zero with the sons of UCF this week. What? Snapped a whistle and all those hypolisms we got to get out of our system now. Oh yeah, you know I'm glad one and you know you know what I'm glad one and zero is gone. Like it was funny, it was quirky, it worked in year one, but it's like come on, that was a good team. All right, you don't. Have you're to gonna go miss one. it when it's head coach Randy Shannon in a couple of weeks. You're gonna, no, you're gonna miss not. that. <laughs> thanks so much jamie i know you'll be missing your buffalo bills in this super bowl coming up but they had a great run with that gabriel davis absolutely and you know what gabriel davis is going to go down i have a feeling as one of the great uh receivers in buffalo bills history when his career is all over if he likes that buffalo weather and wants to stay there <laughs> good deal thanks so much jamie we appreciate it have a good rest of the night you too thanks jamie thank you Got to get those hypolisms out. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna miss them though when it's a Randy Shannon press conference. You know the joke is that that we always do a uh, in the scrum five minutes over under on the Randy Randy Shannon. Some of these have clocked in at like three ten, three twelve. You know, I mean in and out. <laughs> yeah, I was I was testing out the uh, Randy Shannon translator. It just doesn't have the same juice just right now. But we're gonna tweak some things. We'll see if we can bring it up. And by if the way, you're if, useless. You're useless. Where's that? If, is that is that retired too? If Mike won Twitter, then I think Libby here has won the uh, Sons of UCF live show with this comment uh, referencing Hypo's grade. She said, "Quote his grade. He's the kid who shows up in the group project, does nothing, and takes the credit." I think Libby has won the uh, Sons of UCF live. Uh, Libby, not not very outspoken the last week or so. <laughs> <laughs> you don't you didn't want to be the guy that took over after frost like i said before but the guy that's coming in now that's what you want to be the guy after the guy right so jamie just said it he was the bridge the bridge from frost to now this next guy hopefully to take us to the next level well we said it at the time mike and we if you remember we said that in 2017 when this job came open and if you remember florida was open ucla was open we said this was the toughest job to take because how do you how do you make 13 and 0 better you know, the next season was was good, right? Obviously, the KZ injury, you know, uh, uh, definitely uh, changed some trajectory there. But we said at the time, the toughest job to take was that 2017 UCF job. And uh, maybe the pressure got to hype. I don't know. But uh, I guess we'll, we'll let the, the, the next guy figure that out. 
talking about coaches, athletic directors, it's uh, time that we remember Gene McDowell, a longtime UCF coach, passed away earlier in the week in what has been for UCF Night Nation a difficult month or so. We've talked about all of the various things that happened and now to lose a real architect of the program. You know, leading UCF uh, from Division II through 1AA, then 1AA into Division I, his legacy is interesting at UCF. Yeah, you know, listen, yeah, yeah, absolutely right, Mike. Everyone talks about, you know, uh, UCF as the D1 era started. Um, and, and now we think about O'Leary and, and even some people forget about Kruzak, right? And we, we've kind of brought him. I think hopefully Mike and I have, have done some things to bring Kruzak back. But, you know, Gene McDowell really is the guy who put this, th- this, this thing on course. People forget Kruzak worked for McDowell for all those years as well. So even though, uh, you know, uh, McDowell was gone, he still had a, a thumbprint on the program. And, uh, yeah, people who were around back in those days will definitely tell you that the 1986 UCF Knights, you know, they, they probably never expected that UCF would be where they are here in 2021. And, uh, and Coach McDowell owes a, uh, uh, is owed a big, uh, a big part of that. Only regret is, you know, we didn't get him on the show. Mike and I, I tried one time to, to reach out to him, but, you know, his health was obviously uh, not, uh, not the best, but uh, definitely a, a big loss for UCF and uh, our condolences to his family. He wasn't the first coach in UCF history, but he gets credit for, Rebuilding the whole UCF program, a program that might not have lasted if it wasn't for him and taking us from Division Two all the way to Division One. He Remember, he's the guy that brings in Dante Culpepper, and he's, he's the guy that gets credit for putting us on the map. It all starts with McDowell. Good teams, teams that are uh, in the playoff in Division Two, with a big upset win over number one Youngstown State. Big time wins, big program builder. Uh, what else do you say about the guy other than – he is the reason why we're doing a show like this today. If, if it's not for him, who knows if there is even UCF football. Yeah, as you've got on the screen there, Eddie Robinson Award, top coach in 1990 and 1A. Something Mike just said there, all of these pieces, right, all of these building blocks, you end up with Dante Culpepper, arguably the, you know, the biggest name in UCF football history, right? You don't have that without a Gene McDowell. And he had to make difficult decisions. The program was teetering. It was in uh, just a sea of red ink. Uh, he had to cut some sports, wrestling, I believe, one of them back in the day. At UCF would not be where it is now. Could he have foreseen that on-campus stadium and all of the things that we now come to appreciate and as expected as a norm as part of our UCF uh, athletics experience? Per- perhaps not, but he still did dream big that the, the program could go places. Yeah, I, I read a story about how he, uh, how he, you know, essentially got the first donor. I think it was Wayne Dench, and uh, he kept trying uh, to to get him to donate. And he, and he took him out for for a couple of drinks, and they, uh, you know, I, I assume they shook hands and closed the deal, right? That's certainly not how things are done today. But, uh, but obviously, you know, w- without his leadership, without his vision, um, you know, obviously UCF is not where it's at today, too. And, and you, you said he also served in, in the AD chair as well, um, which is a, another big honor at UCF. So, um, certainly, certainly somebody that uh, hopefully there's. Uh, at least a moment of silence or something to commemorate him uh, in the very near future uh, on campus. I asked Jamie if we can expect somebody to come here for 15, 20 years and not use UCF as a stepping stone. Gene McDowell was the original guy that was doing that. He was here for the long haul. He wanted to see UCF grow. You saw Leary had a nice long run too, but McDowell was the original guy that put his real mark on this uh, program. You know, one of the requirements of being in the UCF Athletics Hall of Fame is no criminal felony record. And of course, Gene McDowell involved in that uh, cell phone scandal, which seems so quaint by today's standards and not a part of the Athletics Hall of Fame in a formal way. But I think Knight Nation knows that, as you said, Mike, uh, the godfather of UCF Athletics, there wouldn't be what you have today if he didn't make the decisions that he made then. And the teams were exciting and fun. And we had a lot of good athletes at that time. And first guys put into the NFL came under his watch. And you just think that that, that the climate is different now. You can see a coastal Carolina enter and leap pretty quickly. But that wasn't the case in the 80s. It took UCF all of those years to make that uh, those leaps and those jumps. And, and uh, you know, it was good to see him welcome back a few seasons ago and recognized by the fans at the stadium. I mean, I, again, he, he, you know, I think 
for for younger fans, it's almost be like required required reading to to go back to some of the history stuff to to understand how the program started off and you know playing in a, a dirt field and a muddy field back in 1979 uh, and, and all the things that were sacrificed, the, the the buildings, the conditions back then. You know there were you know we've heard about people sharing you know the weight room and you know there there wasn't enough equipment for folks and the practice field was you know was was basically concrete for a while there and and um, and. To, to stick around in a program like that. And McDowell had Florida state ties and obviously he had, he had spent some time there with, uh, with Bobby Bowden. So uh, to, to come to, to UCF and kind of be our Bobby Bowden and, and build the program up and, and then hand it off to, to Kruzak, who was able to take it as well. And uh, you mentioned Dante Culpepper, it's actually his birthday today, by the way. So happy birthday to, to Dante. Um, but you know, th- those are, that's a transitional period that really forms the foundation for UCF and, uh, yeah, Mike's right. We're, we're not talking to each other on some sort of a streaming service tonight uh, without Gene McDowell uh, being, uh, you know, being around. They did it with no budget. They, the recruiting budget was pennies back then. Still able to find guys like Trace Men to the NFL, guys like Sean Jefferson, Dante, and guys like that. I mean, he had an eye for talent, and he can coach, man. And it, it was proven over the time he was here. I think it's interesting as we talk about him and we think about our current situation and the search for athletic director and how fundraising is one of the most important things. But that's a constant through all of the years, isn't it? It may not be the handshake over a couple of drinks, but it is still a constant that UCF is still that little engine that could still with a bit of a chip on its shoulder, still trying to make its way in central Florida and in the sports landscape. And Fundraising still going to be a critically important part of the job and interim now Scott Carr, who's been with athletics the last couple of years, all of this talk and jumping on the levy train uh, by players and I appreciate their passion for wanting to do that. You still have to hire that athletic director and uh, that's going to be key and, and uh, you know, the, the contributions of a Gene McDowell lead you to where you are today and and I hope, Mike, that we do find ourselves in a situation where you could get 10, 15, 20 years. Maybe at some point, this is the job that does that. It certainly seemed to be that way for Gene McDowell. Yeah, and, and not everybody wants to be out of here in two years. O'Leary wanted to stay here for a while, and, and he did. And maybe we're going to get that guy. We, McDowell is somebody that loved the program, and that's why sometimes when we talk about finding assistant coaches I always bring up on their show. Get somebody that has a connection to UCF. Somebody that wants to be here. Somebody wants to grow this thing into the monster that it should be. That's right. Let's continue the conversation now on the Josh Heupel follow-up with Matt Merchel. Matt covers college football, national college football writer for the Orlando Sentinel. Been in many a scrum with Josh Heupel. Welcome, Matt, to the Sons of UCF live show. Good of you to take your vacation before all of these things happened with UCF last week or so, huh? Yeah, it really was. I, I, I thought here I'd come back and it'd be things would be a little slower as I got back from vacation. And it wasn't going to be the case this week, was it? <laughs> well, let's first talk about uh, Danny White move. Uh, a few moments ago, we had Jamie Say from Channel 6 Sports saying, not surprised that he moves on, just surprised that he goes to Tennessee. You got to think there's some better jobs out there for him. But if he wants to build something, he has gone to the right place. They've got a project ahead of them. Oh, very much so. And, and I agree with that assessment. You know, it was never going to be a case of, you know, that 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 I, I think Josh liked being at UCF and, he, and his family liked to be in Orlando. I'm sorry, Danny. Danny liked to be here and, and uh, Danny, his family liked to be in Orlando. But I, I think he likes a challenge. He's always said he liked a big challenge. And I think that challenge is going to Tennessee and trying to resurrect an athletic department you know, that right now has struggled, especially in the football side of things. You know, they need to find a way to get things back to the glory days. And, you know, it's something that they're going to have to face with NC investigation going on and possible sanctions down the road. So, I mean, it's it's one of those opportunities that, that Danny basically felt like, you know, I'm sure that this is this is the next step and, and, and makes sense in my career and, and maybe to go on and try to see if I can do what I did at UCF and replicate it in Tennessee. Well, Matt, if Danny was a mild surprise, then Josh Heupel had to be a whopper <laughs> of a surprise for folks. Uh, knowing, you know, obviously, you've covered Danny for a while. You've covered his coaching searches before. You know, his his trend is typically names leak out there, and it's never the first name that's out there. So Tuesday night, you start hearing rumblings about Josh Heupel to Tennessee. What were your thoughts? Did you believe it? Did you did you think it would actually happen? And how surprised were you when you actually saw that that was real and, and that was what, uh, what was happening? 
You know, I, I was surprised. I'll be honest with you. I, I didn't think that this was really, uh, you know, that it was it was just maybe someone leaking out a name here or there. I wasn't sh- thinking that Josh would probably, you know, follow his suit and go with Danny, you know, Tennessee. But as things kind of went up Tuesday night and Wednesday morning, obviously that kind of changed. And, you know, Danny said in his press conference, you know, that that Josh was kind of his guy. He was the, the one guy that he really, you know, offered the, the only guy he offered the job to and everything. And, and, uh, Listen, I give Danny credit for being diplomatic. I'm not sure if Josh was the, the guy right on top of the list, right there, so to speak. Um, I, there might have been some other, you know, maybe other people that were interested, or, or you know, maybe some other Tennessee people looked at. You know, I mean, it wasn't just Danny's decision. I'm sure um, there had to be some other other people that maybe looking around. But when it came down to it, he felt like Josh was the best fit for what they're trying to do moving forward. He has familiarity. He knows what Josh brings. He knows what he is as a person, you know, so when you're talking about you want to follow a coach who's got some issues with the NCA and violations, you want to bring a guy who's been relatively clean. Obviously, that's Josh Heupel when you talk about. You get to interview the team. You talk to the players a lot. Did you ever get a sense that maybe there was a little disconnect between the players and Heupel? In the last couple of days, you're seeing some reactions. Nobody's really sad to see him go. Everybody's just excited to bring Jeff Levy in. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? The the hashtag for Jeff Levy by the players has been one of the, the most amazing things to see the last uh, in the last twelve hours or so. Um, I don't know if I saw a disconnect. I think definitely when when Scott left and and Josh took over, I think there were some players there who really bonded really well with Scott, and they weren't really that close with Josh. And and I think over the you know that you know that next year or two, I think people were I think they got maybe a warm or two and warmed up to him a little bit. I felt like this last year was a little bit more difficult because of the pandemic. You know, we really didn't get a chance to talk with these players off to the side or really maybe get some one-on-one type time. It was all done on a computer screen. Um, But you felt like maybe, you know, you look at what happened with the players that were removed from the team mid season, you know, because of the off the field issues, uh, the, the arrest with, with Anton Qualier, you felt like maybe some of those players, maybe some people on the team weren't necessarily happy with that decision felt like some of those guys shouldn't have been kicked off the team. Um, but still, I, I mean, this was going to, in my mind, was going to be a make or break year for Josh. He had a lot of players who were still here, but we did see a lot of players who decided to leave and, and, and take advantage of, of you know, going to the NFL. That, to me, was an interesting aspect. Some guys who maybe I wouldn't have thought would have went on leave would want to have taken advantage of that one-year waiver from the NCAA and give them an opportunity maybe to help their, their potential uh, as an NFL draft pick. Do you think Coach Heupel ever really escaped the the shadow, the legacy of Scott Frost? You know, that's a good question. I, I'm not really sure because if you think about when he took over that program, I, I you know I've always said when when Josh was hired that you know it's 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 a great co- coaching job he did the following year because there's so many ways to screw up a good team, and I'm sure he was hearing all the time about these are Scott Frost players, look what they've done, look what we've been able to do, um, so. I don't think he did get out of that shadow until this was going to be the year really where I felt like this was his team. This was all his players. These were his guys. This was his chance to show what's going on. I, I think, you know, what Scott did was a pretty amazing stretch and what they did the year following in, in Josh's first year. But I think everyone still looks at Scott Frost's tenure and thinks that's kind of the glory days of, of UCF. And, and, you know, Josh was just kind of maybe, maybe able to kind of ride the wave with the players that were still there. Matt, we've got a question from one of our uh, one of our, our our viewers. I think it's actually a good one. So uh, Mike mentioned a little bit about uh, the the Levy uh, tweets that are, are making the rounds today from current and former players. Brian Peterson asks, at this point, with with such uh, momentum in that direction, can you see if hire anybody but Jeff Levy at this point? And if not, what are the ramifications for that? Well, you know, it's, what's going to be interesting is whoever they hire athletic director first. You know, they're going to go with athletic director first before bringing the head coach. So. You know, they want to give that person an opportunity maybe to bring in his own hire. Now, I'm sure that if, if I'm getting hired as a new AD, especially if I'm a younger athletic director, I want to sit down with the team and, and get their opinion. If they feel like, listen, Jeff Levy's the guy, then Jeff Levy's going to be on my list. And I'm going to sit down and talk with Jeff Levy because I want to see what he brings to the table. But if it's a more established athletic director, they usually have like a list of their own. They've got some ideas to maybe guys they may want to bring in themselves. They may say to the players, yeah, that's great. I'll take a look at them, but they may want to bring in their own guy. Um, and that's going to be crucial because, again, if the players are all thrown behind, you know, Levy, 
and then let's say a new AD brings in someone totally, you know, not him. Um, you could see some of these guys maybe decide to leave. You know, that that's that's where this is such a such a tightrope because you don't want to lose some players, but if they're not happy with the choice that's made, you know guys are gonna jump in the transfer court. As somebody that was part of all these just Josh Hypo press conferences the last three years, you had to feel like you're in Groundhog's Day, just the same interview over and over. <laughs> how hard was, did he make your job and how much are you looking forward to maybe getting somebody that's gonna give you a little something to write about? Well, what's interesting is, you know, having having been part of, of, of the last couple of years of O'Leary, George O'Leary, um, I understood what a bad press conference can be like sometimes, you know what I mean, and how difficult it can be to get, um, you know, some answers. And I think that was a little bit with Josh at times. You know, he was very guarded, you know, and, and you would ask him a question and he would kind of talk around what, you know, what you wanted to get from him sometimes. And I think it was it would be frustrating. Um, I spoke to a Tennessee writer um, the, the night that he got hired. And I remember saying to him, "Good luck," you know, and like it's because it's going to be it's going to be a little bit of a challenge to get some to get some things out of it. But I think you know, as Josh gets more in, into his coaching career, I'm sure he's going to get a little bit better at that. But um, I I enjoyed covering Scott Frost too, and thought Scott Frost towards the end was was very open and honest about a lot of things. And if you get Josh one on one, and I've had him one on one before at times at coaching clinics and stuff, he's very personable and he gives he'll he'll talk your ear off almost. But I think it's just when he gets in front of a group of reporters, I think he puts up that coaching guard and, and is very, uh, you know, and, and gets to coach speak, which is one of those things that drives me nuts when I'm looking for a good quote. We could spend a lot of time talking about Josh Heupel, but, you know, it's a point where you got to kind of move forward too, right? And then you've come out with a list, Orlando Sentinel has a list of 10 names. Whose uh, name really stands out to you that strikes you as interesting and a good fit uh, for UCF as you understand the culture? Well, you know, I, I think if you're looking for someone who's maybe, you know, can come in here and still provide and, you know, maybe take what UCF has been able to do and make it to the next level, I look at a guy like Tony Elliott. I think, you know, he was co-offensive coordinator at Clemson. You know, a guy who's a younger coach, he's up and coming, very much reminds me of what Scott Frost was when Scott Frost came from Oregon. Um, you know, he's done some amazing things. Look what we did with development of quarterbacks. He took, yeah, Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, he's got some guys that he knows how to develop the quarterback position. Um, again, he'd be a younger guy that could come in here. I don't know if this is a, a guy who, you know, he would definitely stay for more than three years, you would imagine, and a guy who could definitely take the program to the next level. If you're looking for someone a little more established, I mean, a name we've heard is Gene Chizik, who's had some ties to UCF, a guy who won, an, you know, at Auburn. I'm not sure if Gene, you know, get Gene's an older guy. I'm not sure if he'd win the locker room that well. Um, but then you look at, like you mentioned, Jeff Levy is a guy. I mean, I put him on my list before the players were even kind of throwing, you know, we're, we're supporting him because, again, a guy who's familiar with the system that they're running, he brought it kind of with him from Baylor. The players want to continue to play in this system. Um, he, to me, would become, you know, someone that maybe would do that, but he's never been a head coach, and I think that's something that that's going to be kind of a little bit of a, of a disadvantage for him as well. But, again, this is a job, I think, where people can take advantage of and, and, and do some good things with it. Well, Trace mentioned that list, Matt. Another name you had on the list that raised some eyebrows for people is one Scott Frost. Do, do you think that is a realistic possibility? No, I don't think it's a realistic possibility. But listen, I, I think if if you're Scott Frost and, and you know things haven't gone nearly as well as you'd like to in Nebraska, I mean, why not come back for an encore, right? I mean, if you're looking at, you know, and, and up, you know, you had a great success here. I don't think that's going to happen. But again, I think when you're putting together, when you're looking at maybe some names in there, that might be interesting. I mean, Frost is nearly – things have not gone as well. And I, and I think he had such a great amount of success there. Um, but, you know, I think it's a, it's one of those names that maybe people just want to throw out there and say, yeah, let's bring him back. Let's, let's have him come back. I don't know how the way he left. I'm not sure how, how some fans would, would respond to that as well. And because he hasn't had success at Nebraska, I'm not sure if that would work as well either. Randy Shannon is the interim head coach right now. Is there anything in his contract that says – once Heifel's gone, he's no longer in contract, or is he stuck here? And the new coach, will he be able to replace him, or is he going to be foisted upon him like he was on Heifel? No, he's, you know, and he's, he's, he's still contract. He's still under contract, and that's why I think they, they moved in the interim spot. Plus, he's got that experience. He was an interim coach at, at uh, Florida. Um, but I, I think, you know, if the new coach comes in, you know, I think you'd have to think about maybe Randy, you know, because, again, Randy's got good ties with, with South Florida when it comes to recruiting. You know, the player, defensive players we've spoken with the last couple of years all like Randy. 
But normally if an established coach comes in, especially they want to bring in their own staff. They want to bring in a lot of guys that maybe they can help, you know, do their own thing. Um, I, I think you might maybe listen to if, if you think Randy might be a, a good fit, but you know, based on the last couple of years, how the defense has performed, I think there, there might be a, a thought process of, you know, maybe moving from there. Listen, they get UCF gets over $6 million in buyout money with Danny White's deal and Josh Heupel. So that's a huge plus for whatever the next administration wants to do. If they want to go after a coach like Tony Ellett, for instance, and they want to spend some money and get a good defensive coordinator, a good offensive coordinator, they've got a little extra money now with that buyout money that they can go after some of these guys. So it wouldn't shock me if a new person comes in and wants to maybe shake up the whole staff. Well, we focus on who replaces Danny White and Josh Heupel. We've also been reflecting during this show on the passing of Gene McDowell, who served in both capacities. And we said earlier that we wouldn't be where we are today without the contributions that he made during his tenure, a successful tenure at UCF. Yeah, very much so. I mean, he's been said many times he's the father of UCF football. You look at what he was been able to do there. Um, it, it wasn't lost on me that that you know, his passing and then with everything going on this week with, with Danny and Josh, you know, how you, you talk about a really difficult week for, for the school and for the program. I mean, to have all that happen all at once. Um, you know, I didn't get to, to meet Gene. I didn't get to, you know, obviously talk with him, you know, a lot. But, you know, I, I met with a lot of people who he obviously impacted his lives. They impacted. And, um, you know, they always had always great stories to talk about, you know, and it was very much the heyday of, of, of kind of getting started at, with UCF and, and its program. So, it's interesting to me that, you know, he kind of laid the, we talk about laying the foundation. He was the one that really laid the foundation. And we've seen a lot of coaches kind of come in here and, you know, take that and take it to the next level. Um, and I, I'm sure that's what they're hoping is going to happen with the next hire they, they bring in as well. Well, as we wrap up and I think about the reputation, the legacy of Gene McDowell, that of Danny White, uh, Scott Frost, a question I posed to Jamie Say a few moments ago, what is Josh Heupel's legacy during his three-year tenure at UCF? that's that's a good question I, you know I, I you know three years I mean they've won he, he's gonna he right now he has the highest winning percentage of any coach you know, that, that's coached at UCF I mean and and I know people the fans were upset and there was a, a group of fans that wanted him gone you know that, that felt like it was good he's, he's left but he did manage to win games you know what I mean and he did still keep the excitement going with, with UCF football um, I think the last year year and a half maybe you know kind of he started to see that kind of to, to kind of go down. But um, again, um, he's still a guy that was able to kind of extend what Scott Frost did and, and maybe take it to the next step. I think, I think this to me, like I said before, this year, if he'd stayed would have been the, the big year to see what he's like. Matt Michelle from snap to whistle. You, uh, you, you came through for us on the sons of UCF live. We thank you national college football writer for the Orlando Sentinel. We will talk with you again. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. You guys take care. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. I like the uh, comment that came up just a second ago on the screen that his legacy is the shacket. Perhaps that's the legacy. (laughs) No (laughs) lies detected, uh, Trace. No lies detected. I mean, you are sporting one. All right. right. I mean, that's a no better testament than that, by the way. And also, are you are you jealous looking at Matt's beard, or are you longing for anything? No, I'm good. I'm good. But. You know, a week ago, I talked about how, uh, you know, it needed to go. Brian W. Peterson put a lot of pressure on me. And, and then this week, he said, well, maybe it, was, maybe it wasn't that uh, the beard. Maybe, maybe you need to go back. Maybe that, you know. So uh, interesting to me in both of those interviews that both Jamie and Matt seemed a little bit stumped by the hypo legacy, uh, you know, the, the highest winning percentage. Where on the campus should that statue go, Mike? <laughs> I don't think he's getting one. You got talking about no. the legacy, but but what about your? What's your favorite hypo moment? Is it the arm flapping? Is it the uh, let's go bone? Let's go bone. Is it, uh, here's the one. Well, that's his most. Uh, that's his most famous uh, play, right? And I do think the uh, the the flap in the arms uh, was certainly an iconic moment for him. But I'll tell you what: as the years are are going to go by, I think he's. Uh, you know, Mike's talked about this bridge. I think that Scott Frost is cemented at UCF. I saw one of the other comments that there's no way Frost coming back that he could ever live up to the expectations. Uh, you know, can you go back there again? And uh, I think Kuiper gets lost in translation as years go by at UCF. Uh, I think he'll end up being just a footnote, uh, a winner of the Gasparilla Bowl. <laughs> the one stat you're not going to be able to take away from him that is a positive 
He never lost to the cows, right? He's the only True. coach we can say that about. Ross lost to the cows, or Leary lost to him a bunch of times. I'll give him that thing. He beat him three times. He didn't give us the blowout that we asked for every time. But the first two games, he won pretty handily by like four touchdowns. But 58 points wasn't enough for you? Oh, it was the 46. <laughs> they, well, what about you, Adam? The legacy. How are you going to look back on uh, Josh Heupel on uh, episode 4,983? Of the sons yeah. of you. <laughs> Re- recording soon. You know, I often say on the show that Josh Heupel is the funhouse mirror because you can look at him and see whatever you want, right? If you want to see a coach who was 28 and 8, who had a, a top five offense his three seasons at UCF, th- that guy is in the mirror. If you want to look at a guy who, who struggled against programs that maybe we should have beaten in, in Tulsa, uh, weren't able to make in game adjustments, that, you know, stumbled down the stretch, that we're seeing a couple of, of, of player issues kind of show up. You can look in the mirror and see that guy too. So for me, it's going to be complicated. I'll remember him as a guy who um, who took a program in 2018 and uh, and, and took a, a bunch of kids who were hurting. And I think he did a really nice job that 2018 season. I think that's the season I'll remember him for. And not just because we won, but I think just because of the way that the team stayed together. Uh, and, and you know, I said earlier, that was the toughest job in college football that year. And uh, and, and he, you know, he, he got within eight points of, of coming up undefeated again. So I'll remember him for that 2018 season and for kind of keeping things rolling. Um, and some of the other stuff, obviously, it'll probably fade over time. But he's going to be the funhouse mirror of coaches. You look in the mirror and you'll see whatever you want to see. Certainly, it's a byproduct of the success that UCF's had. But I can't help but think that the – uh, agony of the losses that he experienced will exceed any of the highs of the wins that we're going to remember some of those losses far more than we're going to pull out the wins from our memory. What's the worst moment? Is it one of the Tulsa losses? Is it the Boca Bowl that he left us on our last memory of him? Is it blowing a game against Pittsburgh when we, we came from behind, took a 10-point lead, and the streak was over? I mean, there's a few to pick from. Well, there's eight, I guess, to pick from. Uh, uh, certainly, Boca is not good, but when you look at what was out there on defense, for me, the back-to-back losses to Tulsa in which we didn't really see the growth uh, and the game plan and, and the preparation, that you just felt that he was outcoached back-to-back years with Tulsa. No discredit to Tulsa, and they put together a, a great season in 2020, but uh, that one, to me, stings more than, than losing to Cincinnati. I don't know if I've got a moment. Um, I, I guess I would just say his stubbornness. It felt like he, he was stubborn as a coach, and most coaches are. They believe in their system. They believe in what they're doing and that their their plan is always going to work. And it always felt like Heupel stuck to his plan no matter what, despite the fact that evidence showed uh, several different times that maybe an adjustment was needed. He always seemed to want to stick to his plan, and uh, he, he always kind of came up with a with a legendary, you know, quote unquote excuse afterwards. They came out in a formation we weren't expecting. You know, the defense did something we didn't see on film. So I think for me, the worst is, is the stubbornness and and his inability to or his unwillingness, maybe to adapt at times and, and make some adjustments. Not that it would have uh, changed the course of the outcome. But I think, you know, recognizing that there was an opportunity to, to put your team in better positions to maybe be successful and the fact that there are times where I don't know that he did that, I think that'll be um, sort of the, the worst, quote-unquote, memories for me. And is he going to be remembered as a one-trick pony? I mean, to the fast offense, it worked beautifully against teams like East Carolina and, you know, some of the non-conference teams that we put on our schedule. But we had it against good competition – and you get stopped three and out two times in a row and pretty much throughout the whole game out of whack. Uh, I, I don't know, man. I, I think this is a blessing in disguise if, if we think about it. And the timing, too, kind of works out with the AD leading and getting the AD to come in and, and replace him with this guy. If Hypo had stayed for this year and we had to replace an AD and then had that year with them, who knows how things would have worked out. On a positive note, UCF men's basketball finally snapped that five-game losing streak, and just in good time, too, because, as we'll talk about in a second, they're about to begin a treacherous road trip. But 71-64 over ECU improves to a 4-6 and six overall, 2-5 and five in the AAC. But when you look at the standings, there's Houston and there's a lot of everybody else. It's bunched up. If you could string together some wins, uh, you know, you, you could get back in the mix in the AAC. Uh, what'd you think of that win? It seemed to be a tale of two halves, uh, pretty strong defensively in the first half. They got a little wobbly and almost let that one get away in the second. 
man, we tried to give that thing away in the second half, didn't we? We were we were just handed a TCU and said, hey, do you guys want a road win? Um, but listen, what we're seeing every week is, in my opinion, we are watching a live scrimmage because the practice times have been so severely impacted by the COVID issues they've had. Um, and and so you're seeing a bunch of guys who are some guys who are young and really talented. You're CJ Walkers, you're Isaiah Adams, meshing with older guys, uh, Brandon Mayhan, and then you bring a transfer to Darius Perry. They're learning each other, and we're seeing them really play and learn. They're doing on-the-job training, and typically, I think these are things that maybe get worked out in practice and you get figured out. You can tell offensively that they don't have a rhythm together. They're not in sync. They don't really have that um, that understanding of where the other guy will be. And so you're kind of seeing a team in, in dress rehearsal uh, every time they go out and play. The effort's always there. I think the energy's always there. Um, and, and there's certainly talent and athleticism. Uh, it just will they ever have the time to put it all together? But they certainly tried to give that thing back. But uh, I'm sure it feels good for Coach Dawkins and those uh, and those guys to get a win. I've said it before almost every game this year. That was a must-win game. <laughs> and because of the reasons Trace just brought up, the, the schedule that's coming up in the next few games, not a lot of rest, a lot of games on the road. And we've been playing this season with basically a seven-man rotation, shorthanded. Uh, it's going to be very tough, so we had to get that game. And I could have only imagined, I was just thinking about Adam that whole game. When we're up 19 and, and we have a comfortable lead at the half, when that thing gets down to three, I can see you just <laughs> throwing things around the house, cursing, saying, we're going to blow it. You thought for sure we are going to lose that game, right? Listen, I've got a phone in one hand trying to figure out what's going on with with coaches. I've got, uh, you know, it's on ESPN Plus because why why wouldn't it be? So I'm trying to navigate that. I mean, it was a lot going on last night. There may may not have been some Bud Light seltzers. I can't confirm or deny. Well, Mike, you said a must win because when you look at what lies ahead now, some of this, the result of some COVID postponements. Saturday at Wichita State, not exactly been a friendly venue for UCF. Then a couple days later at Memphis, they stay in Memphis. Two days after that game, they play again. Three days after that, they finally return. Oh no, they 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 go to they play Tulsa, right? So, what what is and you know no Tulsa they don't do well with. Uh, in sharp contrast, as we wrap up this hour reflecting on Josh Heupel, in sharp contrast to Josh Heupel is Johnny Dawkins, who answers your questions. You learn a little bit along the way. He's a good teacher, even in his post game. And uh, now he's got to prepare his team, that seven-man deep rotation, for a, uh, a grueling road trip. A little more on that. How do you mentally prepare them for that kind of grind? Well, we first we'll you know tomorrow we'll we'll talk about it. When we get together tomorrow, we'll have a discussion about hey, this is what we have coming up, and we'll just take it one game at a time. You know, I don't want our guys looking past you know any of these opponents. It's just one game at a time, just trying to stay as ready. Everyone's going to be needed because everyone's probably going to be called on. You know, when you're playing that many games, just, you know, as far as minutes goes for each individual, we need guys all ready to contribute with, with whatever their minutes are. And uh, that's that's kind of how we have to approach it. So with understanding that we all need to be ready for our opportunities, you know, come that week. A little jarring to see my name underneath Johnny Dawkins' face. That was a little – I was thrown off briefly. You need, yeah, you need no introduction. I mean, blame UCF for that. I, I don't really know. So a big road trip for men's basketball, plenty for us to talk about uh, a week from now on the Sons of UCF Live. It seems to me that an hour doesn't do justice. You'll just have to get together the Sons of UCF podcast. What's some final thoughts from each of you as we wrap up this hour? Yeah, listen, I think for me, we've been through change before, um, and I think this is a unique opportunity. What I like is is what Edward uh, said, and it's on screen now for you, is, is you know, back in 2015, you know, yeah, our jobs were open for AD and head coach, but, you know, it, it was kind of, who can we get now? We're hearing that people are, are calling around asking, how do I get in the mix for this job? You know, people are, are, are saying in the media, Andy Staples and, and Bruce Feldman and Chris Vanini, this is a coveted job by a lot of different people. Some people saying that this is actually a better job than the Tennessee job that Heupel just took. And who would have thought, you know, five years ago, we'd be saying that the UCF job is better than the Tennessee job. So for me, I just, well, it certainly was a, a bit of a gut punch to see all these changes, uh, to, to kind of peel back for a second and recognize how much momentum the school has and, and how much people are really respecting the school and the brand and the arrow is pointing up in that direction, I think is a really good feeling. And while it's going to be a bit bumpy for a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months, I think the arrow points forward. And so I'm just glad to see that, you know, the respect UCF's getting out there. And and despite the fact that it's a gut punch losing uh, two leaders like, like Danny and Josh, I think the future continues to remain bright for UCF. I'm just going to tell everybody 
stay patient. I know everybody wants to hire a coach today. We saw how fast Tennessee did it. They brought in an AD and a coach in basically a few hours. Look, we don't know exactly where we're going yet, but like Adam just said, people are going to be lining up at the door to take these jobs, both jobs, the AD job and the head coach job. Who, who's coming? We don't know. I mean, everybody wants to hire Levy right now. I'm not saying anything about Levy. Levy may turn out to be a great coach, but we don't know what the other options are. I mean, if Nick Saban wanted to come, we were going to say, no, we, we got uh, Jeff Levy. I'm sorry. Let's just wait a little bit and see what happens here. It's going to take a couple of weeks. We don't have any football games for another nine months. Calm down and see what happens and trust that things are going to work out for us because UCF is a place, a destination place for somebody and somebody that can be very successful. Well, Trace, let me ask you this. When we reconvene one week from tonight, oh, goodness. do we have an AD hire at that point? No, I, I'm afraid to talk about what might happen in the next week. What more <laughs> changes could possibly happen? I, I don't know. You know, I want to just dovetail off of a point each of you made that this is a coveted job. It's been rumored that Clemson assistant Tony Elliott declined Danny White's uh, offer to coach in Tennessee, and he might make a good coach here. And uh, and maybe it's Jeff Lebby. You know, a good thing about Jeff Lebby is that he's a shacket wearer. So that that would be an interesting, you know, it could keep that that going. I think for me, and I know a lot of fans get, uh, you know, hurt by all of this because it's people leaving something, especially if it's your alma mater that you're very passionate about. You know what? I believe black and gold. It is my alma mater. For me, it's just in my DNA. For others, I don't begrudge them, but stepping stone to other jobs. And I don't begrudge Josh Heupel for utilizing this as a stepping stone. When you're talking about $24 million dollars. You know, that's a nice chunk of change. And he's got challenges ahead of him. I don't wish him. I don't wish Scott Frost any ill will. I'm pro UCF. And now what we do next is what I'm most interested in. And I look forward to more of your reflections. Uh, there's so much more to peel back on this, more than we could discover in just an hour. You know, player reaction, as we saw this rising tide uh, over the last 12 hours or so of lobbying for Levy, that's something to explore. And certainly there'll be names in the mix and uh, more things for us to talk about uh, on the next all-new Sons of UCF Live. So for Adam and Mike, I'm Trey Strolko. Go Knights. Charge on. Charge on. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply